Our business commentator Victoria Young today, she is Business Desk's Investigations Editor. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Catherine. What an interesting uh, industry this is and one with many challenges, the Manukahani industry. What's the latest that you want to bring us up to date on? Yeah, there's been a lot of um, back and forth about the word Manuka, but the latest coming from um, New Zealand scientists that have been looking at this for quite a number of years is a report, you know, a peer-reviewed scientific uh, study which shows that Aotearoa's Manuka um, is a different species from the Australian version. So what these scientists have done is they've used more than 2,000 uh, DNA markers and what they've worked out is that there is really a strong um, differentiation between both regions and they, they actually, I don't know how they worked this out, but they actually sort of parted ways or it all became quite separate species from about 10 million years ago. So there's actually not been cross-pollination between um, these two types of manuka um, yeah, for quite some time. So this is research that's come out of um, plant and food and, um, and land care. And it's um, used more than uh, 500 samples of uh, the manuka honey uh, plant or, or, or flower. So, you know, this could be, um, a, I hate to use this word, but it could be a game changer for manuka honey and that industry because there is a war going on over branding. That, that is the case. And it's, it, it is not just a PR war, it's a legal war. So could this feed into any sort of copyright um, or patent action that gets taken? Yeah, well, this is what the commentators are saying, because um, as you may know that there have been, well, there has been a war with the Australians over over trademark. Um, so, you know, New Zealand's Manuka Honey Appalachian Society has tried to trademark it and say only honey produced in New Zealand can be called Manuka Honey. Um this um, this didn't work out. Um, IPONS, which is our intellectual property office, said um, it was one of the most complex and long-running cases it had to deal with. Um, but eventually, it was found that no, this 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 cannot be trademarked in in favour of New Zealand. Um, it would be sort of the the way to describe it. Uh, the same thing um, in the United Kingdom, um, where you know the the honey ex- exports. Um, They've also said um, um, it's a descriptive English word, so it's not, um, you know, can't be can't be used or can't be protected in that manner. And that's really, it's a you know, it's a it's a huge deal for our uh, manuka honey exporters because um, this product has long been heralded for its um, semi medicinal properties. You know, it's you know, it's not just on your toast anymore. It's in uh, Wound care and other um, products, um, which uh, you know are sold everywhere overseas, especially um, China and, and the US. And um, these protections are needed um, for for our industry to sort of um, thrive. It, it's interesting because a different tax slightly is taken with the likes of champagne, right? Exactly. Um, where um, a method actually has ended up being, or no, not a method. This is the um, the method champenoise is what you're allowed to use, but where a geographical production yeah. centre yeah. is yeah. is is used to to achieve legal protection. Uh, it, it, is that another path, or you know, what are the paths from here? Yeah, I think that's where you would you would hope to go, you, because you know we all know the diff- Yeah, we all know the difference between champagne and prosecco, and I think there's some commentators say there's not 
you know, people understand it, they respect the brand. It doesn't mean that one honey is worse than the other, but uh, New Zealanders will be fighting for that name, Manuka, on on, on their honey. Um, the quality is high regardless, um, is what um, these scientists are saying. Um, I think, hang on, I've got a quote here from what um, plant and food were saying. Yeah, there's there's no there's no way that the Australian version is inferior, but they are different. So there is a way to perhaps protect um, our uh, manuka honey through um, regionality. It doesn't. Yeah, it it, it depends um, where we go with this because a lot of money, a lot of money has been spent on all of these. Um, it has, court but then cases. a lot of money can be attached to. Um to, to the to the branding of a product, um, if you can keep your name on it and keep someone else's product unable to use that name, yeah. how else yeah. has the industry changed in the past few years? Yeah, it's quite an interesting industry to follow because um, obviously we've got, um, you know, there's a big, uh, well, it's, it's, it's small uh, listed wise, but it's a big company in New Zealand, Convita. I think everyone sort of knows that name. And um, that industry is quite interesting because, you know, they are, Firstly, you know, they had a lot of dependence on the weather and around what the honey crops were doing and how they valued their inventory. There was a lot of, you know, four or five years ago, you know, we were always talking about how they couldn't value, you know, what inventory had. And it was the same for other players like Watsons and Sons and and others. Um, Now they're more talking about, you know, their volatility in relation to um, the rest of the world. So if you look at something like Convita, which is probably one of our biggest, well, it's our biggest public company, but there are bigger private players. You know, Convita's saying, you know, last year, oh, look, you know, when China's not doing well, uh, we're not doing well. If, you know, if things are cutting back over there, then it doesn't look good. They're saying already um, that their financial year is about uh, down, uh, earnings are down 10%. Um, for the first four months of this year, com- uh, compared with the prior period, so it is, it is, um, it is a tough industry, and the ownership um, is changing a lot as well. Like um, we've sort of seen Manuka Health that was sold um, a few years ago, and how has I think ultimately Chinese owners um, Egmont Honey, which was like quite a um, quite an interesting um, Taranaki-based player. Um, it's still private, but it's um, got Asian private equity with a half stake through the Better Health Company now. So um, these these things are all changing. There's clearly um, overseas buyers interested in this industry. But, um, you know, where it ends up now, and especially with um, all these um, intellectual property issues, is, is quite a is quite an interesting issue to follow. Um, what I would say as well is that, you know, these sort of, uh, for example, Manuka Charitable Trust, um, you know, there are a lot of honey companies which are getting better at sort of banding together and being a bit more structured. And, you know, obviously there's there's got to be a sort of team approach, if you will, to protect New Zealand Manuka as opposed to Australian Manuka. And I think that's what will play out over the next, well, you know, these court cases, they can take years if... Yeah, if you let them. <laughs> Ports of Auckland have been out of the news a little bit lately. Of course, they were never, they were seldom out of the news for a while uh, mm-hmm. over that major um, infrastructure project that I think got dumped in the end, didn't it? Um, yep. Where are things at at the moment? Yeah, interesting. They've got a, I would say, relatively new um, uh, CEO, Roger Gray. He came, uh, I think, from Littleton Port via um, in New Zealand, doing a bit of work there. But he's he's been in the business for a wee while now, and he's basically been 
you know, planning and sort of he's given an interview to our infrastructure editor and on what's to happen next. And one of the big things that's happening next is a hike on um, its infrastructure levy. So Roger Gray is basically saying, yep, we're going to levy containers um, by, well, from $20 per container to $50 per container, which is, yeah, which is quite a hike. So there's, um, there's quite a few businesses who are unhappy about this. And what are they doing about it? Well, I mean, I guess they're starting with a bit of soft lobbying. They've sort of come together and they've got this New Zealand Council of Cargo Owners and this um, organisation represents all the big guys, Fonterra, um, AFCO, OG Fivers, Silverfern Farms. So it's a, it's a who's who of um, who's um, exporting. And so basically um, they're unhappy that Port of Auckland, I should say that's one thing that they did recently. They changed their name from Ports of Auckland to Port of Auckland. Um, Port of Auckland... Um, is not productive enough to hike its prices. They are saying, yeah, we may accept a price hike. Well, we, you know, we might have to. That's the way of the world. But it's saying that it's not efficient enough, and that, for example, Port of Tauranga and Centreport, which operate under the same, you know, health and safety requirements, that sort of thing, that sort of thing, are are more efficient than um, Port of Auckland at the moment. So, what are some of the wider issues that the port has? Well, yeah, as you alluded to, this huge um, automation project that it basically dumped and has to turn around, that's, you know, one key issue um, for Roger and his team as they're trying to um, improve the port. Um, the port is trying to make make more money, and it's it's gone on the record, um, you know, with Business Desk saying, look, it wants to make um, $85 million in profit. Um, at the moment, it makes about 52, or it's forecast this year to make 52. So it really wants to up its game. Um, you know, this year, it's targeting a $30 million approximately dividend back to um, the Auckland Council, but it wants to it wants to do more, and it's, it's ambitious about being more profitable, and I guess... Um, outspoken about um, where it wants to go. The other um, interesting issue with the port, um, I mean, of course, there's the ongoing issue of... Whether it should be there. Yeah, whether it should... (laughs) It's got a mayor who wants to move it. Yeah. Um, And was also talking, I'm just trying to recall what he was talking about as part of the financial woes of Auckland Council leasing bits of Mm, it. mm. So it's, it's got politics to sum it up, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. I mean, the other... The other really interesting one, which I think you know could come to fruition more <laughs> earlier than you know another port on another report on whether the port should move, is this I- idea of the operating lease. Um, you know, this uh, major player, DP World, sort of started making some moves, registering a company in New Zealand, leading to speculation. It's just that though, that you know the operating lease um, could be sold. But then, of course, you've got you know you've got Mayor Brown, who's you know. We all thought he'd be a one-term mayor. Maybe he'll be. In, maybe he'll um, run again. He said previously that he wanted to return the land to the public. We know, you know, that he's um, been on these. I think oh, I have to struggle to remember which one. But he's been on committees that have reviewed the port in favour of Northland. I think. Um, but you know, th- there is all of that tied into it. The, the ownership. Yeah, the the ownership itself is is the other sort of um, elephant that's always there in the room um, amongst all these issues, yeah. Now let's have a quick dive into the telco industry. Uh, what's new? There's often things new, but what's standing out to you yeah, as we enter a new year? it's interesting because, I mean, they are big, they're big, um, you know, they're big on technology and innovation, aren't they, the, the telco industry? But what is this new report um, from um, Jardin analysts, um, Ari Decker and Grant Lowe, was saying that, they're finding it hard 
to grow. I mean, what they've done um, last year, probably you know, maybe a bit of the year prior, was that they were selling off some of their infrastructure, their towers, and I guess maybe that was a distraction. And it, that made heaps of uh, money for them, um, obviously, as a one-off. But now people are starting, I guess, analysts are starting to think, well, how else are you going to make money? You know, what's going on with your core business? And um, what these guys have found is that it's actually two degrees that is the most um, – the, the one that's actually growing its profitability, it's not clear from the report whether that's due to market share or, or how they um, are able to address their margins. But, um, you know, um, analysts and investors are thinking, what uh, what, are ta- what is the telco industry going to do next? And in terms of what consumers are getting? Yeah, it's interesting. So what um, these analysts think is that uh, if you look at um, – fixed line broadband, so basically the internet, uh, that's too heavily regulated. So that's quite hard to move the dial um, on that. So what they're thinking is that uh, mobile is where uh, margins are going to increase. They're suggesting that it would be through entry-level packages. And, you know, for the consumer, I would say the entry-level consumer is probably 12 years old. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in well, I would say twelve years old, or actually, I would go the other way and maybe so old that they're not going to understand value for money, okay, or, or something like that. So that's where I would say. Well, that's and, where the Commerce Commission is yeah. supposed to have its eyes on this thing, yeah, yeah and yeah, and really, exactly. uh, really lay into being able to unbundle apart from anything else, but also understand what it is you're getting. Yeah, yeah. It'll be in those data plans. It'll be in you know what is unlimited or what is uh, you know, and they have been. I mean, they have they hit hard, they hit um, one New Zealand hard last year. I'm not sure if that was over. Um, Mobile, but you know they are they're watching these these claims and what the um what well, they the went after one New Zealand over the yeah. um over the deal it's got with Elon Musk's mob to have um, much greater that's mobile right, coverage so for right. text initially they went over mm. them over the advertising initially, yeah. but they're also running a project on you know plain language but also the the unbundling which is more to do with broadband isn't it you know I no no it's also with phones I've I've got a little burner phone that I use for dubious matters and. Um, that's a joke, by the way. Um, and, I mean, I've got about 10 gazillion hours of um, um, or gigabits or whatever that, that I just yeah. don't need. Yeah. 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 Don't do you want. use it? Do you check? Do you use it? Would you know if you didn't use it? It's all well, that. I don't use yeah. it. Yeah. I don't use yeah. it at all, so I don't really want it. So it's mm. it's more just being able – for people to be able to buy what they want and not <laughs> – now people are sending in some unhelpful suggestions on what my burn is for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I'm not inviting that. Um, you know, it's just being able to, to get what you want and not what you don't want. Mind you, that is true across subscription services. We'll be here all day if we start on some of those. Yeah, um, Victoria, thanks very much. Chat to you next time. Victoria Young is Business Desk Investigations Editor.